Hello, and welcome to Spoiler Alert, a weekly talk radio show for movie lovers. I'm your lady host, Sonia Stanger, and with me as always are the co-hosts who keep me sane, Jeremy Legui and Sean Dunham. Hello. Hi. Hi, friends. This friends, week, whoa. Yeah, we're we friends. Just, we just stopped our relationship. Strong words. Um, wow. Okay, I thought that was just a given. thought that was a little throwaway. This week, friends out there listening, because you're all my friends, we're getting analytical, lying back on our chaise long, and delving into our collective filmic unconscious to look at the depictions of counseling and psychotherapy in movies and ask ourselves, how does that make you feel? <laughs> the show is called Spoiler Alert, so be sure to look out for spoilers like this one. Nurse Ratchet is a terrible, terrible human being. But, but is she okay, an nurse. effective medical no person. she's also a terrible healthcare practitioner boys let's get therapeutic first of all do you feel like the depictions of psychotherapy and counseling in most movies is accurate i would hope not <laughs> great good start i think maybe i don't know maybe there was some sort of time which we'll call the before time mm -hmm. where maybe that's what it was like and now Maybe it's a little bit better. What What was it like? You know, like uh, like very stereotypical and uh, lots of uh, well, there's, there's there's a lot of differences, right? Yeah. Like I, we're not. I feel like there's like three stages. Uh -huh. Oh, I feel break it there, down, Sean. Yeah, I feel like there was, um, like snake pit, crazy, insane asylum, like mm -hmm. uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest style, uh -huh. mm -hmm. um, and that was. And then that was one stage, and then the later stages was like sort of wacky 80s and 90s where um, therapists are a joke, and mm -hmm. people that go to therapists are a joke. Mm -hmm. um, and then I feel like in the last like 10 years or so, people have had sort of a, a measured understanding of the effectiveness of therapy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what I th am imagining. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good characterization. Do, do you mean... Do you mean those stages in, like, the actual world or, like... Just in, in film. Okay. I have no knowledge of therapy. IRL. IRL. <coughs> Great. I should mm -hmm. say no. Small. Free small. Small. Yeah. Full disclosure. Full disclosure. I love therapy. I'm obsessed with therapy. I think it's so important. I think everyone should go to counseling at least sometimes. Are you just plugging your future job? Yeah. yeah. Yes, and I everyone am currently in school. Email. <laughs> To Sonya. become a counselor. To set up the future date. But I just think we could all benefit from an improved understanding of our own feelings and selves. I, I don't think there's. I don't think anyone would view talking to someone about how they feel in a professional environment as a bad thing. But a lot of people do. I think there's still a lot of stigma. Anyway, really, this will, this comes to a later question that I have. So, um, what do you think are these like? common depictions in film of therapy and the people who receive it. Well, there's the classic, as you have already alluded to in your introduction, the, what did you call it? The the chair? What's the chair? The chaise long. The chaise. Yeah. The chaise. Um, or a couch. You know, <laughs> Could just be a couch. with the sort of notepad as they stare at you, waiting mm -hmm. for you to begin, and you lie there, maybe sometimes for hours in the Freudian way before you start to talk. Well, mm -hmm. if you can pay for it. Mm -hmm. that, well, this is my thing. I was thinking about it, and I feel like the people that we most often see in movies receiving therapy are either quote unquote crazy people like severely mentally ill but in this like very over the top 
depicted way. So in like so someone like in an institution like in one floor. Oh, of okay, Nest. sure. So something really institutional and re- a really like over the top depiction of mental illness, or like a stuck up rich person who is just very self-centered and like a little mm-hmm. bit wanky like there's that really great scene in best in show where they're at their therapist and they're talking about how their dog witnessed them in an intimate moment and how they think she's <laughs> mad at her and mad at them and i'm like that's what it is talking about beatrice the dog at therapy i feel like movie wise there is also a third movie version uh-huh. where wherein either the patient or the doctor for in inexplicable reason moves in with that person. Yeah, yeah, there's like some boundaries <laughs> and, being and, and, and crossed. I, That's yeah. so real. And I don't know why. I don't think I think any actual like clinical human being would be like this is completely inappropriate. Right, boundaries are hugely <laughs> important. Like, this is not you're not moving in. What kind of intense therapy is this? Yeah. And maybe like in the 80s it was a thing. Well, basically any experimental therapy has been tried. In the 80s. Is the thing. Yeah, a lot of it in the 80s, but also in like the 1880s, they were trying some wild stuff. Oh, they will go. They'll give you a full LST if you want. Yeah, you gotta (laughs) check. You gotta go and get your humors checked out. Yeah, exactly. Get your black bile. Yeah, my yellow bile. (laughs) What else, Sean? Um, blood. (laughs) Flam and blood. Yep. Uh, Can I get more flam? God, I didn't yeah. know this quiz on humor. Phlegmatic over here. <laughs> uh, Pratt Falls. I'm a bit too <laughs> hot. I think. another humor. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, what? Okay, so sort of in the same vein, what do you think are the stereotypes that you started to allude to, Jared, mm-hmm. that we've come to know about therapists and the effectiveness of therapy? I, I think. Movies? Well, part of to answer question one to go back, oh, the, the live-in therapist is definitely like a big movie. Yeah, yeah, plot device for yeah. sure. And the other one that we kind of already touched on is the stuck up, you know, like I think of um, Richard Dreyfus. What about Bob? Mm-hmm. I was going to say what he's about kind Bob? of like, you know, the elite therapist mm-hmm. where, you know, oh, I help people and I do all these things. We see that break down, but that's definitely a type of therapist yeah. depicted for sure. For, to me, there are like three <laughs> negative stereotypes about therapists that are the most pervasive. Mm-hmm. They're either like blank and a nothing character in the movie and they're just like strictly there for emotional exposition mm-hmm. yeah they're yeah like they're just there to like have a person talk what they're feeling like, what is this person thinking without doing a narration yeah mm-hmm. or they are useless uh or like kind of full of bs and like very very like oh, this is the effectiveness of therapy. Like, it's all, you're supposed to be skeptical of what they're offering. Mm -hmm. Or they're, like, evil, manipulative, Mm -hmm. stuck up. I feel like those are the three. Mm -hmm. Well, I think there's also sort of, and this might tie into what you already said, there is, like, the the beauty of being able to, like, oh, well, what's, what's an occupation our main character can tell everything to? Exactly. And... We'll just put Ben Stein in there, and it'd work. <laughs> ben, Stein ben Stein has really made some good work. And, yeah, uh, being like a banker or a therapist. <laughs> but it's that thing of like, like in in Freaky Friday, which mm-hmm. is a great example, um, when they switch bodies, and then uh, Lindsay Lohan in Jamie Lee Curtis's body and Jamie Lee Curtis is a therapist she's like mom I can't go to your job and like therapize people and she's like just listen to what they have to say and anytime they stop talking ask how that makes them feel (laughs) and I'm like that's semi true but also really Mm -hmm. really minimizes the hard work that 
the psychologists and psychiatrists have to do. You took that to heart. I did. Yeah. Well, because it's like, <laughs> I wish that was the whole job, but that isn't actually that helpful. Do you got any stereotypes over there, Sean? Um, I'm mostly thinking, like, my first intro to sort of, like, mental illness on film was um, a 1948 film called oh. The Snake Pit that Whoa. my oh, yeah. grandmother used to play for me all the time, which I should wow. not have watched with her. <laughs> it stars Olivia de Havilland as this um, a woman that winds up in a mental institution, and she doesn't quite know how she got there. She has some schizophrenic personality disorder situation. And, um, yeah, like, right off the bat, one of the... The, one of the doctors, like, takes a liking to her, and then a nurse gets jealous and, like, oh, puts her in the snake pit, which is, like, the bot, like, you're not getting out, sort of, like, padded room. Ooh, sit, like isolation? Isolation, kind are of, the, but then she gets pulled out. Are there snakes in there? There's no snakes, but, like, <laughs> it's just the, uh, I wish. It's just a, a real horror movie, even more than it is. And it was, uh, it just really made me, as a child, be like, oh, the, um... Like, these um, mental hospitals are just, like, fully institutionalized, and, like, it depend it like, mental illness depends a lot on, oh, this one random nurse that takes a, <laughs> you know, would just takes yeah. for you for something like that. Which is, like, not entirely incorrect. No. Like, that's the thing, especially the way that institutions were structured in the, like, mid-20th century. Mm-hmm. It wasn't great. It's just like bureaucracy. <laughs> like, it wasn't good. We didn't Not treat human situation. beings like they were human beings. We would just lock people up and, like, heavily medicate them or uh, deliver electroshock therapy um, or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And the snake pit, like, it did. Uh, people were really affected by seeing how institutionalized and, like, bureaucratic mm-hmm. that um, it can be. And it led to a lot of reform in, like, some states of mm-hmm. their, like, uh, mental hospitals obviously not a ton or like but in the 40s guaranteed a lot better yeah well that's it's kind of like one flew over the cuckoo's nest as well like i i rewatched that this week i haven't seen it in a long time Mm -hmm. and obviously there are some problems with that film um there's some problematic stuff just like just uh, some of the dynamics so like the well the book itself Mm -hmm. so i know this is a movie podcast so not a book podcast Mm -hmm. but in the book you get a lot more of the explicit misogyny that is kind of expressed over and over again because you are getting characters inner thoughts mm-hmm. um and the book is narrated from the point of view of chief who is um one of the patients in the institution who is a large native american man um i say large because he that's like a whole thing <laughs> that's a plot point, that yeah. <laughs> um and i think the movie kind of suffers that you don't get his inner thoughts um because he's posing as a deaf and non-speaking person mm-hmm. um because he doesn't want to talk to anyone at the hospital but then you just have this character who is a silent In indigenous movie, figure like, <laughs> so it's around. like that's a bit of a problem i just wanted to know what you're talking about yeah and then also the there are like a lot of the staff in the hospital are black men and they're sort of just these like nameless faceless characters mm-hmm. who are essentially kind of villainized oh yeah he and just them. agents of nurse ratchet but i think yeah that's kind of 
Because there are elements of it that seem very wrong, yeah. but are also just what a that experience exactly. was. Exactly. Yeah. What's interesting about One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which I didn't know, is that Ken Kesey, who wrote the book, mm-hmm. uh, initially was a consultant on the film, had artistic differences with the producers, and then was like, I'm never seeing this movie. I hate this movie. I will not acknowledge its presence. It's terrible. Um, so I think that's a little bit funny. I do like a bit of production drama. Oh. Um and I think it's interesting how it does depict sort of that, the the weird authoritarian nature of these, like, institutions, and specifically in the character of Nurse Ratched mm-hmm. as this person who's, like, imposing her will on these people who are marginalized by society. Yeah, but also fully, f- like, following every rule. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, every letter of the law, but also Bureaucracy. being so evil. Yeah. Oh, her just, just like power trip. her soft voice is so freaky. <laughs> and her stare, yeah, just like glaring right through you as you see her head, just like her cogs working. I forget that actress's name. She's so good. Was it Ellen? No. Um, hang on, I'll get it. I forget her name. But she, she won best in, um, actress. Yeah, that film won best the picture, five. actor, actress, director, and screenplay. Yeah, she won the big year. five. Louise Fletcher. Louise Fletcher. She and was she's um, unreal. In Shameless. Oh! She plays his mom. Oh! Or, like, the grandmother. I haven't seen that season yet. Hmm. Well. But, yeah, that movie she's is... Still, still working. ...fascinating to me. And, obviously, Jack Nicholson is, like, beyond... Well, I want to... Incredible. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hijack you right now. Yeah, tell me. And I want to talk about something that I noticed in doing my research for this, and that Jack Nicholson comes up a lot. Yeah, him and Meryl Streep. Yeah. Uh, like very both of them very often uh-huh. and so i was wondering because i was reading some stuff about jack nicholson and how as an actor pretty much by rule he's gonna bring a pretty intense mm-hmm. loud experience but um bit zany yeah but when you look at the cross-section of those two actors mm-hmm. and the sort of therapist element which by the way therapists pop up just all the time. Mm-hmm. It is a ridiculous a amount. But um, in a lot of their films, it's a big part of, you know, either they are the therapist or the, it's a main character or, you know, I think of anger management as mm-hmm. well. As good as it gets. Yeah. Is um, it because um, uh, being a therapist or being a mentally unstable person gives you a range to be an actor? Maybe. <laughs> and or... I guess he plays a therapist a few times. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, a lot of people who work in creative jobs suffer from some form of mental illness. I can say that because I do. But if there is a thing of, like, I think there is an interesting correlation between, like, for example, depression and artisticness. And sometimes it gets romanticized, and that's something I think is interesting, um, is that there is this aspect, which we can talk about a bit later, of like romanticizing mental illness but it is interesting because he's like this zany unpredictable dude and he gets cast in all of these roles right well i i don't know it just keeps coming up again and again and uh people are texting me as the show is going on uh-huh. and the sixth sense comes up and uh, oh, yeah. i just i also watched um mercury rising which is about another bruce willis thing and uh, I thought it had a therapist, but the therapist just never came into play. They just left that out. Mm. Like, this cop is totally able to take care of this autistic boy, which is kind of what that movie's about. Yeah, you don't need, you don't need any yeah. professionals for that. But um, 
you know, it, it is kind of odd, and I wonder if people are attracted to, you know, Jack Nicholson hears, oh, there's this, you know, story about a crazy therapist who lives with his patient and forces him to do these super angry things. And he's like, yeah, I want to do that. I mean, uh, you know, yeah. like, is he immediately drawn to that? Well, I think or, when you, like, I think there is something about the, the, like, embracing of quote-unquote madness that allows for a range of, you're, like, outside the boundaries of socially acceptable behavior mm-hmm. if you're within the boundaries of this definition of, like, a mad person, mm-hmm. a crazy person. So it's like you can circumvent there, there's all, this whole new range of like acceptable situations and emotions mm-hmm. and states of mind that we associate with mental illness mm-hmm. that aren't accept, so-called acceptable. Or, or vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Which I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. What? Mm. Yeah. Okay. So there, there's this one stereotype that I feel like comes up in a lot of movies about counseling or therapy. Um, which is basically the like sudden dramatic breakthrough. And I feel like this is such a damaging one actually, because it gives us all this sense that it's like one day you will have this amazing breakthrough. There will be this intense emotional stimulus and then you'll be better for the rest of your life and everything will be fixed. And it's not just a slow working. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's a process. Things. And, and I think it's really unfortunate because it makes it this like, this like either or proposition where it's like you're broken or you're fixed. So like Goodwill Hunting, there's that scene where um where he where um Robin Williams is constantly being like it's not your fault and then he breaks mm-hmm. down crying and then he finally realizes that his father abusing him was not his fault. Mm-hmm. And in um analyze this even when Robert De Niro has his like when he finally breaks down crying mm-hmm. and again like acknowledges that he thinks it's his fault that his father was killed or um, in ordinary people when the young man has this breakthrough where he thinks something else is his fault. It's just this thing of like, it's a dramatic, it's utilized for dramatic effect Mm -hmm. and this like huge emotional payoff when in reality, it's not ever one moment. Like there will be significant moments in someone's journey but it's never going to be like a it's turning point while falling down break yeah like but, in that immediate moment. but that's a huge movie thing totally. like even a war movie that depicts you know right like the hardest day you like it's oh it's an afternoon and then they're gonna march on yeah. when in actuality like no no this was like a year right you know and i think i don't know i think that every once in a while people kind of like get really like it's a big twist to find out like he was in therapy for 10 years. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, that's so much longer than the scope that I thought this movie right. was going to be. And, you know, it's the whole Lord of the Rings thing. Like, how long did it take them to get there? Right. I have no idea. Right. It could have been 300 days or it could have been three days, mm-hmm. right? Like, we see night so many times. So, mm-hmm. But um, I do wonder if there is any real genuine depiction of any kind of treatment or mental illness. I think of... This might not be as relevant, but I think of like uh, the the newest Captain America. I think where he yeah. goes to visit, and you know, it's kind of like a real moment to think that even though this guy who is a superhero could be negatively affected by this, and this might help some of the people that mm-hmm. are or having Iron trouble. Man. Yeah, Iron Man three. He has anxiety issues. Yeah. Well, no, he still does. That's, well, right. that's supposed but that's to be his motivation. But yeah, but um, you know, I think it is something interesting to explore. But 
I think movies just have a hard time because it's just well, the not. the scope, yeah. Yeah, it's just really not that compelling to watch mm-hmm. somebody slowly get better right. over the course of a movie. But, Sean, do you have any thoughts here? Uh, I don't have a lot to add to that. I had no idea that, <laughs> that the superheroes were going to therapy. Yeah, I know. I really like it. I'm like, oh, that's good for it's, men. It's not therapy, right? It's like the veterans kind of... What, what's the place called that they go... I don't remember. Right. Veterans? But it's, it's like where, where people who come back... It's not that, but it's like they come back yeah. and they you know talk about what happened and... But that's basically therapy. Yeah, but... Group is therapy. Yeah. Is, yeah. Uh, is the Falcon a, f- uh, a therapist then? Is that, is that what this movie is saying? <laughs> I would love that. In the next Avengers movie, he'll just, just be like, hold a, up, y'all. Can we talk this out? The, the analyst. <laughs> yeah, the analyst. <laughs> um, one of my favorite things, just speaking of stereotypes, is in the movie 50-50 when... Um, JGL goes and meets his therapist for the first time. It's Anna Kendrick. She's super cute and young. Oh it's the whole gosh, thing. I, forgot I didn't know that she was the therapist. Yeah, she's the therapist. Well, movie. there's this oh whole bit God. about how he's like, so what are you, Doogie Hauser? And she's like, who? <laughs> she doesn't know. But he's like, aren't you supposed to be wearing a, uh, what is it? Aren't you supposed to be wearing an earth tone sweater and be 65 years old? <laughs> and I was like, that's pretty accurate. It's... I would add, and our name Cheryl. <laughs> well, but Cheryl. then also she committed some medical yeah. problems as well because they began dating. Yeah, it's the, there's boundary issues. I feel like boundary issues between therapists and patients mm-hmm. is the number one plot device involving therapy in movies. It's, it's yeah, probably it's pretty high up there. Like I'm, I'm looking at my, you know, now that I think about it, Goodwill Hunting might be a pretty good depiction. Yeah, of it's like, not bad because they really only talk at the prearranged time. Yeah. With, a, with a few, you know, mm-hmm. instances, but and and it's, it's that thing good. where like they do have a reciprocal relationship on each other. So like, um, I forget Robin Williams' character. We'll just call him Robin Williams. We'll just call him Robin Williams. I think it's Sean. Whoa. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, Whoa. But his life is like improved because he has such success with mm-hmm. Will. But for those of you just tuning in. You're listening to, spoiler <laughs> alert, a movie show, not a psychology show, no. on 91.3 FM CJTR, Regina Community We are Radio. not qualified to talk about psychology shows about. after this. It's, yeah. Um, have you guys seen Big Little Lies? Which yeah. I haven't. Movie? Yep. Um, so, uh, Nicole Kidman has a couple's therapist uh-huh. that her husband never shows up to. Ooh. And I think that that therapist is great because yeah. it is like... Almost every episode, there's like a moment where they go in and they chat, and mm-hmm. she's trying to convince Nicole that she's in an abusive relationship, and she is not convinced for very long. But it like she slowly becomes mm-hmm. more attuned mm-hmm. to it, and this therapist just sort of keeps chipping at her. And then in the ver- like near their last one, she's just like, "So you need to just grab your kids mm-hmm. and get some money and leave the house." I, I also think in. That depiction, which I'll remind everyone, is not a movie. But um, it is interesting because I don't think she knows for sure that that's what's going on. So she's also trying to tiptoe around it. She like feels it case, out for a while. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. not it's not what's going on. But um, she was like a very competent therapist that did not get. Uh, I'll she did, that. Yeah, she didn't start <laughs> living with her. She didn't start dating her. She just like. Did her job very competently and was very helpful. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are some of your favorite movies that prominently feature? All right, here's Jeremy's list of comedies Can't about wait. therapy. Yeah, there are so. a lot of comedies. There's a lot of comedies. <laughs> um, my number one, which is a dark comedy, I've talked about on the show before, Running with Scissors, yeah. is so good. a movie I absolutely love. And his therapist is so, like, he is a so terrible weird. Man. And so much stuff terrible happens. Man? Yeah. Terrible man. Such a strange man. He's a terrible um, man. <laughs> I love the therapy scene from Office Space where mm-hmm. he gets hypnotized and uh, he, this therapist just totally sympathizes with the main character and just loses any sort of upper hand that yeah. he would have had when he asked him if his life, su- life sucks. Billy Crystal and Analyze This and Analyze That. Yeah. Um, it makes no sense. It's completely unsafe. I love it so much. I, it's so great. It's such a good movie. Richard Dreyfuss and What About Bob destroys me every single time he's such a yeah. word i can't say on the radio he is a horrible person and he's so full of himself he's so good at it though yeah don't hassle me i'm local and uh oh my god bill murray as bob wiley is the a force of nature i would say that is a great movie yes. i've totally forgot about that movie actually um 1991 the year I was born <gasps> but apparently richard dreyfus and and uh, bill murray did not get along at all. Oh, I'm not Which surprised. Which I think is fascinating. Yeah, I think that makes total sense. It I, does. I think it even probably helped. Yeah. Because the more that, uh, what's his name? Dr. Oh, Richard? I can't His remember. own name? Yeah. The <laughs> in the, in the, but uh, Richard Dreyfus. I, I'm trying to think of it so hard right now. The more he hates Bob, the better the movie gets. Yeah. And that is... He's the perfect straight man in that regard. Yeah, it is. Well, and then eventually they switch. Yeah. And uh, it's done so in, like in Dr. such Dr. Leo great, Marvin. Leo Marvin. It's a great character name. Yeah. And once they switch, it is so hilarious because everybody sees Bob as just this sweet, normal guy. Yeah. Who has maybe a few problems. I don't know. I'm not He's sure. He's got problems. Yeah. but He, he says that in his first But through therapy death therapy... Meeting. therapy yeah. He, he is able to And then overcome. he becomes a psychologist yes. again, spoiler alert, <laughs> and basically writes a book, and then Dr. Yeah. Leo Marvin tries to sue yeah, him. Yeah, the end of the movie is him suing, and he becomes his brother-in-law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, he marries his just, sister. Like, absolutely it's really good. It's really mm-hmm. good. It's a classic, like, two uptight man has his life destroyed because he refuses to let go of his uptightness mm-hmm. in the face of a h- hilarious... Wacky funster. <laughs> Who happens to have, like, I think he has OCD. Like, he has a few... Well, he, he talks about what he has, and I think his issue is that he... Because at one point he says, if I fake it, I don't have it. Yeah. So well, I but think so that he, that's his... It's a specific sort of, condition, though. Oh, is it? Yeah, which okay. is, like, um, obsession with illness. And, yeah. Like, basically, it's variations on... A hypochondriac? Yeah, yeah like, it's hypochondria, but then the belief that you have all these illnesses and then mm-hmm. like it's it's basically they're all kind of sort of related to ocd yeah but um, uh which is fascinating yeah but then he's cured like lyme's disease yeah which again is not exactly how that works <laughs> so uh super great what about you shawnee um i was just thinking also in the same vein of like old-timey mental institutions yeah i was thinking of girl interrupted mm. which i'm not I'm not sure what year it actually is set in, but for some reason... It's I in the 60s. I feel like, oh, okay, yeah. that makes sense. I actually haven't seen it. Oh, really? it's great. It's I, think I, yeah. I think I'm afraid to watch it, that I would find it too upsetting. There's some upsetting parts, yeah. for sure. Uh, I, I, I think, I don't know, I think that when it was made, they probably blew over some stuff, mm. so it's a bit more implied than would be 
shown now. I should say... Especially since Brittany Murphy is no longer with us. It's a little sadder as well. I should (laughs) say, just in retrospect, in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, there is a very, very violent and graphic um, suicide. Spoiler alert. But, like, just in case that's triggering for anyone. There's also a suicide in Girl in Train. Is it graphic? (laughs) Well, a little bit, yeah. So that's good to know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's one of the reasons I don't know if I could watch it. Um, but yeah, all of the there's so many actresses in there that are just fully forces of nature. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth Moss and Angelina Jolie and Brittany Murphy and Winona Ryder, and also Clay Duvall just what? randomly in yeah. the background also just hanging out. Yeah. yeah, they all kind of do their own thing, which is super great, and they're all just super interesting characters in that movie. And Angelina Jolie is like the perfect like tornado of someone that you yes. want to hang out with so bad yeah. and are obsessed with, but she, you're also scared to death of her because she's fully unhinged. Guys, Absolutely, I don't want to interrupt this. Oh, but it's you time. Have it's time to girl, it. time's up. <laughs> oh. <laughs> also, time's up. Uh, but we need to go to the break, so we're gonna go tell each other about our dreams, and then we'll come back, and you'll be here on Spoiler Alert on ninety-one point three FM CJTR Regina Community Radio. Welcome back to Spoiler Alert here on ninety-one point three FM. Guess what time it is? What time, what time is it? What time is, is it? Five thirty. It's game time, people. No. I've never gotten to say it before. <laughs> it's six. It's six thirty, Sean. Well, that's why I was wrong. Both times. (laughs) It's game time, people. It's game time, people. It's game time. (laughs) I was waiting for that air. (laughs) Uh, For those who don't know, or you're just tuning in, the game is where I spend all week looking for a film title that these two have not seen. I tell them the title. They tell me what they think it's about. I tell them what it's actually about. We laugh. We cry. Maybe someday someone will truly win the game. We got pretty close last you, time. Sean got very close last time. Thank I like how he said you. we. <laughs> <laughs> this, Thank you. This week's title is Control. Control. Um, I'll go first. I believe it's about a, a man stuck in a rut. He's a little neurotic. He's an IT person. Um, <laughs> he is uh, working. He's... Uh, he's given the simple job to uh, restart this computer. He presses Control Alt Delete. Oh my God! Nothing happens. <laughs> I he realizes that. the Control button is busted. <sighs> what does he do? He spirals um, into finding a way to restart his own life and get more control of his self. Sean, I am dying right now. Why? Because I was basically going to say the same thing, but with Control Z, as in undo. Well, let's hear your pitch. Let's well, yeah. now I have to come no, up with no, something Sonya, else. No, no, Sonia, keep going. Say it again. Well, it's the same as Sean's, but replace Control <laughs> Delete with Control Z. It's um, a man who, who's made a lot of mistakes, mm-hmm. and he figures out that he can do it. Like it's kind of like that movie. Click. Like Click. Okay, this is a totally Sonya, different this movie. This is a it's very yeah. different movie. It's this different, is. but similar. Is um, this? Is it? Is like Sean? Yours is a drama. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is yours more of a comedy? It's a dramedy. a dramedy. Well, yeah, there's comedy, comedy, those, yeah. and then all of a sudden there's drama. Like, not unlike Click, where it's, like, quite sad at parts. Is there any point where he gets upset because maybe when he hits Control Z on anything, it goes back, and he's, like, yeah. legitimately trying to do some work, yeah. but it keeps, 
you know, putting him back. He's in. undoing yeah. his eviction. He's undoing his breakup. Then all of a sudden, he's undoing his haircut. Oh, exactly. no. <laughs> I pay $20 for this. <laughs> and then one time, he accidentally presses Control C, and there's two of something. Oh, copy. of himself. Does mm-hmm. he just have a magic keyboard? Yeah, I think that's oh, okay. what it is. He maybe, like, goes back to the, like, his keyboard craps out at work and then he goes back to the like equipment closet and mm. finds this old and dusty a dusty keyboard. old IT man blows the dust <laughs> off it <laughs> played by Christopher right. Lloyd why <laughs> don't you no, no, we try gotta, this you gotta change it up a little oh, okay. bit maybe this both just, Christophers this isn't Ooh. just click with a bow on it you know we gotta we can make up something <laughs> Sonia this is a great film idea thank well. you so much well it was collaborative you know yeah <laughs> well no mine's way different but <laughs> I, I just want to give I think yours would be more fun to watch thank you well as as per usual, you guys were super close in no way, shape, or form. Oh, he always does that. I, I always, I do it every time. Uh, Control is a 2007 film uh, about uh, the life of Ian Curtis, which you may or may not know is the late singer of the post-punk band Joy Division. Oh, yes. Me, 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 oh, that me, song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, um, it, uh, it looks pretty interesting. It's a, a very slow-paced British drama mm-hmm. about uh, a man's spiral um, out of control. Which ends in suicide, does it not? Uh, I feel like that is a theme of the episode. Spoiler, <laughs> John. So uh, that's pretty cool. Well, uh, I've people know... The, this episode Ian. of the game oh, okay. has unfortunately been brought to you by... The RPL Film Theater. Sorry, guys. We didn't mean to be that much of a downer, Sean. Listen, they <laughs> need to see life as it is. Exactly. <laughs> well, thanks, RPL Film Theater. We appreciate you guys. So much. Love over you there. folks. And in other news... This is a pretty, pretty huge this week at CJTR. This is big. This is the biggest thing we've handled. And what I'm about to read is written... In all caps. Huge. Which has never happened it's before. Yelling. Starting this Friday, September 21st at... That's how you say it. <laughs> 91.3 FM CJTR, Regina Community Radio, will once again seek your financial support during Radiothon 2018. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> Our goal for this year's Radiothon is to raise... Ooh, fifteen thousand five hundred dollars. How many zeros Easy is that? Yeah, there's two zeros because there's a five in there. But it is a five-digit number. Wow! Your financial support is vital to CJTR's future growth and success. This year, every twenty-five dollar pledge will give you a chance to win valuable gift certificates from CJTR sponsors. Wow! All caps. Wow! Every what are we? What are they throwing our way if you win? What are these prizes? Well, Do you not have that on your sheet? No, it says valuable gift certificates. Oh, okay, okay. There are also daily prizes. Yeah, every 50 100 and $150 pr- pledge will get you a special gift. We're talking oh, yeah. ukulele. Yeah, special packages. people. Packages. For more details, Fish. please visit cjtr.ca slash donate. Show your support for people. Powered radio during Radiothon 2018. PPR. Starting September 21st. But that's not all. But that's not all. I've reached the end of the sheet and there's more. There's more. Where are you reading this from? My brain. (laughs) I'm reading it right from my brain. Just It's like a little teleprompter in there. And there's a it's, lot of swear words that a, I have to do. It's a Sonia prompter. Sonia prompter. Yep. And the Sonia prompter is saying we are doing a super special episode next week for Radiothon. We're so excited about People Powered Radio. We're so excited for you to donate to this amazing station that we love being a part of. And so we are doing a Guilty Pleasures 
embarrassing favorites show. Mm-hmm. We're going to open up our hearts and show them to our and listeners. And just shove our and shame the down line. these microphones. And, yeah. And uh, we encourage you to donate uh, either by phoning in during Radiothon. And when you phone in, let them know that you are pledging and you want to get a guilty pleasure out of your spoiler alert hosts. So for every pledge that we receive... We will be revealing an embarrassing favorite. Mm-hmm. And what we would like you to do is, with that donation, share one of your own guilty pleasures. And we might read it on the radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give us something. Yeah. We're giving so, you so much. There are lots of ways for you to donate. You can call into the station. All of this info is also on the website. Or you can uh, contact us directly, and we'll get a pledge form to you mm-hmm. if that's easier for you. Or you can donate on the CJTR website. And if you do that and you still want to share your guilty pleasure, and get a guilty pleasure out of us. That sounds funny. <laughs> yeah. uh, just send us a tweet or a message on Facebook or a message on Instagram or an email and let us know that you donated and tell us your pleasure, your guilty pleasure. <laughs> Sonia, please. <laughs> and then we will reveal it. So our email address is spoileralertcjtr at gmail.com. We're pretty easy to find on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So try us there. Try us. Try us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, we really would appreciate your support for this amazing volunteer-run station. And Bring I, those bombs. I will also say that the three of us have some pretty embarrassing stuff oh, to talk oh, about. Think filthy. about the things that we've revealed that, like, mm-hmm. quite openly that we, that we want. not ashamed of. And if you call during the show, yeah. it's going to be amped up. You will not be on, on air. <laughs> you will not be on air. We will not put you on the radio. But one of us might run out and take your call and then run back in to relay what you said. Which I think will be very fun <laughs> it's and gonna a be, fun It's going to be a crazy time in here. So we encourage you to support the station. Mm-hmm. We encourage you to get some shameful secrets out of us. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a great week, y'all. Starting this Friday, September 21st. The day after my birthday. Aw, oh, happy almost birthday, Sean. Thank you. Don't we're so glad it. you were born. Wow, 45 years old. Hey? Yeah, 45 <laughs> years young. Is I was I like just about to say, he looks great. I do. Before the break and our exciting news, we were talking about some of our favorite movies about therapists. Um, Sean, I feel that you were perhaps not done talking about Girl Interrupted. Um, as you, <laughs> Girl, you interrupted. Girl, I interrupted. <laughs> um, no, actually, I was kind of near done with uh, G.I., but she come I, but I did watch um, a f- new film this week. Uh-huh. Um, so <laughs> it's called more. Beyond Therapy, um, and it is um, stars Jeff Goldblum and uh, Julie Haggerty, and they are two patients that are ha- have <laughs> therapists, and their therapists were both very wacky in their own right, of course. Mm-hmm. I, uh, this is based off of a play, so. It is wacky, 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 and uh, <laughs> and so they uh, the therapists each suggest to them that they should answer a um, a wanted ad to like to date a personal a ad. personal ad. I cannot. <laughs> I was telling me about this in the car and had to, <laughs> to find like the personal ads. And so then they do, and yeah. Jeff Goldblum is bisexual and has a. Uh, a partner at home, played by Christopher Guest, Ooh. and Julie Haggerty is um, a neurotic homophobe <laughs> who screams, <laughs> "I hate gay people!" at him. Oh, good. <laughs> but also, um, they just and then they're uh, the therapists like get a they. There's this restaurant where everyone is bumping into each other all the time. The therapists are 
up in there. Uh, one therapist advises Christopher Guest to use a cap gun and uh, shoot people that he feels <laughs> slighted by as a form of therapy. All of the therapy advice is terrible. <laughs> Should not do not take this therapy advice. Um, there's also my favorite line of the entire episode is one of the therapists has a long conversation with one of the characters, and then at the very end she says, "I thought you were someone else this whole time. I'm sorry." That's good. That's really good therapy. Yeah, yeah. but it is um, it feels very. It feels like the whole thing is improv, and oh, it no. takes place in New York, but everyone speaks French, and. Uh, it's just a very confusing film. It's from 1987. Did you dream this? I don't, I don't suggest watching it, honestly. <laughs> what year, I what was year is like, it made, 1987. 1987, hey? That's or wait, maybe 81? <sighs> Hard to Definitely say when you wrote a one or a seven, hey? I, well, I, yeah, it is. <laughs> it's a really small cap, if that's what it is. <laughs> um, but... I was just, I was enticed by the, a young Jeff Goldblum. Oh, yes. He led me astray. Was he beautiful? Oh, he was gorgeous. Oh, my gosh. Even his, like... What's more beautiful than a young Jeff Goldblum? An old Jeff Goldblum. Hey, I set you up for that. Even him just talking, like, throwing these inane terms around in an improv way was still great to watch. In an improv way. (laughs) Um, Have you guys ever seen the movie Hope Springs? Um, does it star Diane Lane? No, but it could. <laughs> it actually stars our friend Meryl Streep. Oh. Uh, namely, it stars Meryl Streep and Tommy Lee Jones and Steve Carell, because it's that kind of movie. I'm... Basically, Meryl and Tommy Lee are in a long-committed but mm, potentially cooled-off marriage, oh. and... Meryl's character is really pushing for them to go to couples counseling. And to make Tommy Lee more comfortable, they literally go to this small town, I think in Maine, called Hope Springs, and go see Steve Steve Carell, a marriage counselor, and they're there for like a week. So it's like this condensed therapy. Like block therapy? Yeah. It's like a camp, but like (laughs) for therapy. Um, And it's actually a really sweet movie. And I kind of like the depiction of... The counseling that they undergo and, like, the process that they undergo. Because Tommy Lee Jones is really resistant at first. And Meryl plays this great, like, kind of dowdy, like, kind of a doormat, but really sweet wife. And Steve Carell is a great therapist in it. <laughs> and ultimately, like, they, it's, there's kind of this, like, gradual shift. And it's, like, not this immediate amazing realization. But things, like, get better after they go home and... It just is a really sweet movie, and I would watch it. If you're like, if it's like Sunday afternoon and you need something to watch and you don't know what to pick, pick that. Wow. It's a nice little... I I feel like from a casting standpoint, that couple just doesn't work. It actually works well. I also can barely picture them beside each other. It's fascinating. Meryl has a great wig. I'm I'm imagining just men in black, but Meryl. That's also... At the end, does Will Smith come and like blind them both (laughs) and take... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then they have a recommitment ceremony. <laughs> That's shocking. Also, the movie Prime is on my list, which I, also features Meryl. Is Prime... And it is some boundaries. With Uma Thurman? Yes. Oh, I have seen yes, Prime. Yes, I, I have not seen this movie, but I have walked through the room as my mother watched it. Yeah, it's a movie for moms. It's a good thing you didn't <laughs> walk through at a certain point. Ayo. Where... The, yeah, this is also boundary issues where this is a whole film Meryl Streep figures out that one of her patients is dating her son, and she decides not to reveal it to her. Well, she does eventually. But what's but so great is like Uma Thurman is this 
like 37 year old divorcee who has romance troubles and then starts dating this 23 year old artist and at first Meryl her therapist is super supportive of this mm-hmm. relationship and is like encouraging her to be you know like more sexually explorational like it totally encourages it and then finds out that the 23 year old is her son and so then she's like in reality not supportive of it and there's this great scene where Uma Thurman is wearing this like kind of revealing blouse and it's right after Meryl's found out that it's her son and she's like um your bra's showing is that is there like a button missing no that's just how it is like suddenly is just like <laughs> slut shaming <laughs> Uma Thurman um I also one of my favorite lines from it is he is, says he's trying to describe to Uma like how weird his mom is, and then they walk in the door, and she's like, "Oh, you brought some red? I'll throw it in the freezer." Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> "She is, she's she wild, and so I would mean, it's so good. It is played for laughs, which is complicated, but it's uh, it's pretty fun. It's a fun one. It's a fun one. At one point, she says that his genitals are so perfect that she wants to knit them a tiny hat." And Meryl's, like, gagging. <laughs> it's it's really funny. <laughs> um, what's yours, Jer? Yeah. What's my what? Favorite. What's my what? My favorite? I think... Oh, you went through a list. Well, I did. Oh. But I think Analyze This, I it's think it is so, just crazy. And it's actually good as a thing. Oh, yeah. No, it's great. Now, it is a film of the late 90s. Oh, yeah. So, there's that, a lot of gay panic. That's a huge boon, aside from that. Like, there's a lot of, like, hey, I'm a mobster. I'm not a gay guy. Yeah. <laughs> Don't try and make me talk about my feelings. And then they oh, do say like, the F in, word a few times. I was times. like, how do they do that in reference to therapy? Yeah, mm-hmm. like, as soon as he's like, just don't think because I'm talking about my feelings uh, you're going to turn me gay. Mm-hmm. Except he says, turn me into an F word. And that's when I was like, whoa, hello. What, what, frog? Yeah. Uh, nope. <laughs> <laughs> what is the it? The really bad ones. Freak? <laughs> the really, not even the one that rhymes with duck. The really bad one. All right, I won't make but it. But I won't push you. Basically, that whole film is toxic masculinity is bad. Like, that's the premise of that movie. It's like, you haven't talked mm-hmm. about your feelings your whole life, be, and that's bad. You're so repressed. You're having... You're so repressed. Because he has physical issues. Yeah, he gets panic attacks. Yeah, that, that he needs to address. Mm-hmm. And then he has a hard time coping with the fact that that's what it is. Yeah. He wanted it to be like... He's angina like, no, I'm having a heart something. attack. Yeah. Yeah. But it's really great because he's well, like hoping super for resistant. Angina, getting anxiety and stuff. <laughs> exactly. But it's De Niro at his De Niro weest. Oh, yeah. It's Billy Crystal like doing all his best Billy Crystal. De Niro work. is never a step away from De Niro. No, though. but it's like super. You get what you're going to get. And the, it, what I find fascinating, they reference The Godfather in that movie. And I'm like, this is so meta. <laughs> because it's like, are we living in a world in which. Robert De Niro was not in The Godfather 2. Like, it just, <laughs> if you start to pull a thread at all in Raffles. Oh, <laughs> analyze that. Exactly. It's a great movie, though. I forgot how much I like it. Yeah, no, it's it's super Although, funny. they did not give Lisa Kudrow enough to do. I was going to say, I all I remember, for, I watched that when I was a teen, and I remember Lisa, and she said something about, like, our wedding was beautiful, except for when a man dived into <laughs> yeah. my cabin. Yeah. And it was like, that guy gets pushed out a window during their wedding. <laughs> it's funny. Oh, uh, she's great. But bad. But um, this is just a quick aside, but mm-hmm. Silver Linings Playbook. Mm-hmm. Um, Bradley Cooper has a therapist that he ignores the advice of. Mm-hmm. But Jennifer Lawrence um, is doing dance therapy? What yeah. is her? What is that? She's um, just trying to dance it out. Dance competition therapy? There are yeah. a lot of different therapeutic methodologies that involve, like, 
channeling your energy into something positive. And I think specifically if you have certain mood disorders, mm-hmm. having something you can channel energy into is really important and having something to focus on instead of self-destruction. Keep in mind, I am a first-year psychology student. <laughs> I am not an expert. I trust I've taken a psychology class. <laughs> there you go. We're basically on the same level. Anyway, that movie's actually pretty good. I quite like it. Yeah, no, it's a good movie. It's good. Yeah. Should we go to what you're watching? We should. May I soapbox? Please do. <laughs> Please do. I love it when you say <clears throat> <box. throat> Oh, Uh-oh. he's bracing it's, himself. L- ladies and gentlemen, oh. co-hosts in the booth with me, oh. I implore you. Uh-huh. I watched a movie with my wife, uh-huh. with my partner. We chose to watch it. I paid money to watch something online. This sounds and, and it was a little title called Ready Player One. Uh-oh. Oh. And the amount of garbage that I got <laughs> coming through my screen wow. was now okay. Now I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say don't see this movie. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna say it sounded like you were gonna say burn don't this see movie to the ground. I'm not gonna say any of that. But what I am gonna say is that they took a very good book and made it into a very bad movie. Yeah. And these people, and when I say these people, I mean these studio people, these filmmakers, mm-hmm. in this particular case, Steven Spielberg, <laughs> have to be willing to take a tiny bit of risk because changing something which is pretty interesting and a cool idea into a race is not a good idea. Mm-mm. Just because, hey, it looks kind of cool. And, you know, sometimes people can do things alone and they don't need a team and to join the rebellion and do all this other junk that just doesn't make any sense. It I did not like confusing. the movie. <laughs> did you see it, Sean? I, I saw it a long time, or not a long time ago. Probably when it came in out. The t- yeah, in the time mm-hmm. of, the, of this podcast. Um, they had, um, this part was not in the book, but I feel like they were like, but we can do it, is when they did the shining, like, yeah. the shining part. It's like what? Where it was like, this looks awesome, but what is happening? <laughs> let's, let's just trade references for references, because people, let's not make them think too hard, and then let's shove absolutely every reference it was we just possibly like, can. So references is what you're saying, Jeremy, that you're very excited for Wreck-It Ralph 2? Uh, I don't know. At least it's original story. and is they're it? not. I don't know. Isn't, is it not? I liked Wreck-It Ralph, Sonia. Oh my gosh, you guys. Wreck-It Ralph 2 is the one where it's like all of the Disney things yeah, together they, they in They go one. to the internet, right? Yeah. Like that's the, but I have no problem with that. Yeah, that sounds fun. What I have a problem with... <laughs> <laughs> that's not what I was expecting you to say. What, what I have a problem with is, you know, in a movie, is it appealing to watch somebody play a game? No. That's not a good thing to watch. It's been done before. It kind of works. Mm. But to then say, oh... But because this like doesn't work, let's YouTube ditch video. this whole thing, and then we'll just make it a race, which totally changes a bunch of parts of this main character guy that we're trying to draw. It it, it was so pointless. It is just so pandery. It was painful to watch, and there's so many points where I'm like, well, why didn't they do this? Why didn't they just you know why but why make it this hard and just make it like fight three rounds in this? That's that's a better yeah you know that's a better thing, and we'll call it Ready Player Two. And it won't be about the book. And, right. then, and oh. then we're good to go. I have been trying to read Ready Player One for so long. Oh, you have. That's true. I go through like two pages and then read a different book. <laughs> and I'm chipping away at the, the smallest you'll ever hear. Did you like the book? Uh, I liked the book. I thought that it was very reference heavy. If you took out all the references of that book, it is half as long. <laughs> it's like 12 pages yes. long? But the story was still, the, the core story was still something worth reading. Like, mm. it was something, and then they just... 
No. No. They just stopped. And then they just know. Yeah. This is this is the start of Jeremy's campaign about how we stop making books into movies. <gasps> but that's a different wow. show. I remember seeing a um, a press junket thing of those four, like, the four uh, kids and then, like, Lena Waithe sitting with them. Do, and she just was like... <laughs> I feel like she's like, what am I doing? What have I done? <laughs> wife, wife of the show, Ellen Louis, just texted in, and she said, at one point you said to me out loud, and this is in quotes, so this is what I said to her during the movie, is this how you feel for every book turned into a movie? Because <laughs> it's, it's pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty bad. They missed the whole, they missed the whole point there. Miss the Mark? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sean, what you watching? Um, you know what? I don't have anything. That's okay. I You're a busy really boy. dropped mm-hmm. it. I was very busy this week. I've been dancing so hard for Rocky Horror Picture Show that I think I gave myself a whiplash. <laughs> I have yeah. a very sore neck today. What I'll you've be been watching is yourself. your own dance steps. Yeah, yeah. In, in a mirror. In the I upcoming assume. production of Rocky Horror Picture Show. I'm going to be in a full neck brace in the, <laughs> for the show. Can't wait. But anyway, watch I, watch I mm-hmm. Jeremy, this isn't a movie, so oh, brace my. yourself. I've been watching a little program called. Shit's Creek. Oh, and I can say that on the radio because it's S C H I T T. It's a name. T T. Uh I slept on this show, y'all. I had never oh, I hadn't God. really watched it. I had watched like a few episodes, I think, back when I still had a TV, like had T V service. Mm-hmm. And now I've been watching it on Netflix in its entirety. Canadian production, created by Eugene Levy and his son Dan Levy, a very handsome man. <laughs> so funny. We got Eugene Levy, we got Dan Levy, we got Catherine O'Hara. There's this lovely young woman named Abby something, Annie something. Catherine O'Hara is amazing. She, in this show, you guys, makes my life. She's so funny. The wigs. (laughs) She has a collection of wigs. Basically, it's about this super wealthy family. They're the the family Mm -hmm. who, they're the business partner, like, steals all their money, mm-hmm. so they're penniless. And they own this town that Eugene Levy's character bought as a joke called Shits Creek, and so they have to go live there because they can live there for free because they own it. Um, Which makes no sense. It doesn't. <laughs> but it is so good, and I love it so much. It's like, it just hits so many sweet spots for me. And um, also, Eugene Levy is somehow defying age. Oh, yeah. my God. I was like, he His looks face, great. Like, he, but also just... His facial expressions, it's so, his face has gotten like squishier with age. And the <laughs> way he can do. mold it into these amazing shapes when he's acting is so good. And they all just have a perfect dynamic. The writing is incredible. Go and watch Shit's Creek. Canadian television at its best. Mm-hmm. Like, I just am so proud of that show. Yeah. Now, before the end of the show, mm-hmm. I have two very quick announcements. Tell me. Number one, confirmed Space Jam 2 is happening. <gasps> This is what a spoiler alert exclusive. Wow. Boots on the ground is not exclusive at all, but it's happening. Wow. Number two, and this is uh, important to Sean and the others, there's no popular Oscar category. They've nixed it. Yes, I heard this. Crazy. We will talk about this at length next week, perhaps, yeah. during our very special show. Don't forget to call in and donate to Radiothon starting this Friday. That's all the time we have for this week. We would like to thank Saskatoon's The Garys for the use of our theme song, Manituna, all of our ama- uh, all of our amazing co-hosts, my amazing co-hosts, and everyone at this amazing station. We're broadcast live Wednesdays at 6 p.m., rebroadcast my- Friday mornings at 9, and we are now available as a podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and wherever else you get your podcasts, as well as at cjtr.ca. See you at the movies. Bye. Bye. Bye.